if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. We welcome back Christoph Hess today on Horse Chats. Christoph's been very generous with his time and with his knowledge. He's, he's come on already nine times. So if you'd like to go back and listen to Christoph's previous chats, just go to horsechats.com, search for Christoph, search for Hess, and you'll get those chats. For someone who maybe doesn't know about Christoph, you know, I'm sure that there's not many people that doesn't know Christoph. Um, episode 702 is the one where we started off. And Christoph went right through the way he sort of started off in the horse industry and, and then from there we've gone on and specialised. Now, last time we touched on the training scale and today I'd like to talk in a bit more depth about the training scale. Now, Christoph, welcome back. Yeah, thank you very much indeed, Glennis, and I'm very happy having a new chance to talk about the scale of training because this is, for me, the red line of yeah, how to train a horse in a good way. And therefore, I'm very happy that uh, we have this chat from German point of view in the early morning and from your point of view in the late afternoon. Yes, yes. Now, Christoph, for someone who's not heard of the training scale or the scale of training, how would you explain, if they had a question, what is the training scale? What would you say? Yeah, I just said it. It is for me, and if I explain it to someone who has no knowledge about it, it is uh, quite the red line um, for a rider, for a trainer, for a coach, for an instructor, when he or she is um, on the way to train a horse. That is the red line from uh, the very beginning of the training of the horse till the last day you are riding a horse. And this is something you should have all the time, each minute, no, each second in your heart and in your head to realize it's important for the way you are schooling your horse. And this red line is, yeah, I would say it is a spirit of good riding. It's a spirit of classical riding and it's a spirit of training the horse into the direction, um, yeah, how uh, the horse is on earth when I look to the biodynamic or biomechanic of the horse, when I look to the instinct of the horse, when I look to the way of moving of the horse, and uh, when I bring everything together, then I need a red line how to school, and this is the scale of training, the red line for the education for the schooling of horses. Okay. Now, when did we actually start to use the training scale? How old is it or what's the history? Can you tell us a bit more about the scale of training? From the very beginning, it's thousands of years old. Xenophon was, if I would say, the founder of it. And it's thousands of years ago. And I'm sure you know exactly when he was born or when he passed away. And um, I think uh, this was the very beginning. And uh, But to get a true scale of training was a little bit later, or much later, 
especially it, it was a very bad situation for all of us, a bad situation for the horses, especially when we had uh, wars, when we had a cavalry, when we needed horses in the war. And the soldiers uh, did realize they would have only successful when they have healthy and happy horses. And then they tried to find a way to get a healthy and a happy horse, which is willing, which is able to be a good horse for the war. And not a horse which is just outside uh, of the stable and then it's lame and or has no condition or is not rideable. And to get a good horse under the saddle for a soldier, this was at the end of the day, the beginning of finding and um, yeah, developing a scale of training which has a proper system. And this was working quite a while and more than 100 years, we have now the red line named scale of training. And, but it started in the cavalry and now we use it in our yeah, civilization and for sport horses and for leisure horses and for horses in all disciplines all over the world. Okay. So over the last hundred years, has it evolved? I mean, because Xenophon, you know, was a long time ago, you know, we're thinking about... Uh, 2,000 oh, years ago. Yeah, years yeah, ago, I was going right? to say, you know, mm-hmm. fourth, yeah, I had a quick look actually, 430 to 354 BC. So, and some of his methods were a little bit controversial to say the least. So he started it yeah. and went through to, you know, a hundred years ago. So it's pretty much as it is now today. Is it the same as a hundred years ago? Yeah, um, I think we have to look uh, into our horse industry and we have to realize who is riding now. And when I say war, when I say cavalry, then I mean it was a man's sport. It was, and look to England, it was a gentleman's sport in the old days. And now when we look around all over the world, it's a women's sport. And okay, at the end of the day, in the top, top sport, but when we look uh, to lower levels and medium levels, it's more or less only women. When I look around to my to my um, situation, when I give uh, clinics and seminars, often 100% women. I like it very much, but that's the situation. And when we look to the horses, um, we have horses now more thoroughbred ones, more light horses, more um, easygoing horses very um, easy going to get a good connection, good contact. And in the old days, we had more carriage horses, um, which uh, people tried to ride. It was maybe in Europe more than down under in New Zealand and in Australia. Uh, maybe you have more the thoroughbred types of horses. And um, in our regions, when I look to the old Hanoverian horses, they look very much like carriage horses. And now we had the change. We have the women riding and more than men. And we have, uh, yeah, these more thoroughbred-like uh, type of horses and or more easygoing horses. Uh, that means that we, that we have to, uh, yeah, discuss in different working groups the scale of training. I would say every, not every year, but maybe every five years. And uh, with different 
experts and they bring their knowledge in, their experience in. And as a result, at the end of the day, we get a new, um, not, not a new, other, it, it would be wrong when I say a new scale of training, but a new interpretation. And therefore, it's not looking from today's point of view, the scale, same scale of training um, which we had 100 years ago, but the systematic is still the same. We start with the rhythm, we, it, it follows the suppleness, then the contact connection, then the impulsion, then the straightness, and then the collection. And these six points, they are like giving from Godfather, but designed by people, as you know. But uh, this is a red line still. That, that is a red, red line. But the interpretation is a little bit different. And um, yeah, many, many people do it by themselves. They had uh, written books about it or produced DVDs and video clips and so on to explain it. And the explanation always uh, has a little bit of variation. But at the end of the day, the red, red line is still the same since, yeah, much more than 100 years. Okay. Okay. Now, I'm just thinking about the different people or the different groups of people within the horse industry. We've got judges, trainers, instructors and riders. Do they all interpret it the same way or is it interpreted differently if you're a judge, say, to an instructor or a rider, just get, you know, getting on the horse or a trainer, someone that's training the horse all the time? How should it be used between those groups of people? Well, first of all, I have to say that I hope that they are all interpret has the same interpretation of the scale of training. As it would it would be a disaster if a judge wants to see another horse than a trainer a coach is training or a rider is riding the horse. And we had these kind of situations years ago, I would say 20, 15, 20 years ago, when we had in Europe, mainly in Germany and in the Netherlands, the big discussion about the German, what is Rollkur, low, round and deep, and the FEI had a discussion as well. This was, for me, the deepest point when we, we were discussing about it, because this was a misinterpretation of the scale of training. And um, on the other hand, I'm absolutely sure that well-trained judges, trainers, instructors, and riders have the same red line in their mind. Maybe they, they have a little bit different um, uh, interpretations and uh, variations, but these are only maybe 5 or 10%. Uh, but the, the red red line is still the same for all of them. And therefore, I like it very much um, when I'm schooling at home or abroad uh, to have um, uh, situations that I have judges, trainers, instructors, and riders together so that, that I can school their feeling for the scale of training, that I can school their eyes, their knowledge, uh, in, this, in the same direction for all of them. This is, for me, very important to do it like this and not to school judges and trainers in different ways. Uh, just uh, have schooling with groups together helps uh, that they have the same feeling 
of the scale of training. Okay. Now, we'll start off because I'm going to go in, and I know we talked a lot about straightness last time and um, where it was on the scale of training, but if we're starting off with rhythm, what are you looking for in that first bit? Just get the rhythm established in the rhythm. Uh, We have in our... But with our horses, when I look to the thoroughbred and warm blood horses, uh, not to the Icelandic horses um, and, and special other um, breedings in South America, for instance. But when I look to the horses we are talking about, uh, we need or we use for, for classical training in the Olympic disciplines. Um, we have walk, trot and canter. And important is that the horses, when we look to the first step of the scale of training, that the horses have a nice rhythm in walk, trot, and canter, four-beat rhythm in walk, a clear four-beat rhythm in walk, a clear two-beat rhythm in trot, and a clear, and that's very important, three-beat rhythm in canter on both hands, left and right hand. And when I say rhythm, I, I have in mind the regularity, the right tempo, and the frequency. And um, this is very important that the horse gets under the saddle a feeling for the rhythm and the rider has to ride the horse uh, in a good regularity and very important in a good tempo, not too fast and not too slow so that the horse finds at the end of the day the balance because the mental and the physical balance is, I would say, the goal that the horses find the mental and the physical balance, and they only will find the balance um, when they are in the rhythm, and uh, then they lose or are supple uh, when they have a good contact and when they have imp- and impulsion and straightness. This is very important to, f- to find a good balance, and when the horse has not a good um, uh, physical balance, the horse will not find a mental balance, because one sentence is very important to have in mind when you school horses, that horses want to do a good job. They want to find their balance under the saddle. That's part of their nature. So, and when they, when they are ridden not in a clear uh, rhythm, they never will find a good balance under the saddle. And this makes horses unhappy. And therefore, to give the horse a good happiness, and um, I would say we all, uh, the judges, uh, the trainers, instructors, the runners, we all are horse friends. And uh, our highest goal should be, and I'm sure 99% have exactly this goal, has to be to make the horse happy and um, uh, to find a good rhythm under the saddle is very important for the happiness of the horse. I love the way that you've explained that, you know, just that whole mental and physical balance. And, yeah, it is, I think, to have happy horses. We think about the welfare, but the welfare has to be the not just did my horse get fed today, but how does my horse feel mentally? Is he getting physically strong? Yeah. What about looseness or suppleness? What is it now? Do we call it looseness? Do we call it suppleness? Yeah, it's a- Interesting. As in America, they use the word relaxation, and as the FEI, World Christian International Organization, 
they use the word suppleness. So therefore, we have this. But important is that we have to realize a horse has to be mental and physically loose, relaxed. And a horse which is, which, and the opposite is tension. And a horse which is tense never will will have a good feeling under the saddle. And yeah, and it's a, a little bit similar what I just said to the rhythm. A horse needs mental and physical uh, um, looseness or relaxation or suppleness. And when the horse doesn't have it, you never will uh, bring the horse to a higher level and uh, you never will produce a happy horse. So therefore, uh, for me, this is probably at the end of the day, uh, together with the rhythm, the most important part which a rider, a trainer, a coach, and a judge, on the other hand, has to have in mind uh, to realize that um, you never that other that to get a, a really happy horse which loves the job which the horse has to do under the saddle needs uh, suppleness. And if you don't have suppleness, you never will come to a higher level with your horse. That's only uh, you will struggle on low level and you will have an unhappy horse and unhappiness and uh, being uh, have injuries. Uh, mainly orthopedic injuries or stomach injuries when you have horses which are not mentally happy. And a happy horse you will get when you have a horse which is loose, which is relaxed, which is supple. So therefore, the suppleness is very, very important to get a happy horse. And my understanding is we want to have happy horses and we have, want to have horses uh, which have a good motivation to do the job which we want that the horses have to do, to do extend the trot on the diagonal, to jump a fence one meter fifty, and so on. And this will a horse not do when the horse is not happy. The horse has to trust the rider, and the horse has to be supple, and then the horse is on a loose, and then the horse is willing to work with the rider and the good horses are working not only with a the rider, they work for the rider. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book imagine maybe one day you could be a guest on horse chats okay i think you, you explained last chat you know when we were talking about straightness about it's not get this done get that done then go on to this it's a bit like a rainbow can you explain that you know so we're talking about the you know contact and acceptance of the bit is the next thing but it 
the way you explained it like a rainbow, that while we've got this levels and this needs to be established and then this needs to be established and it's very logical yeah. and sequential, but it's not like a straight get this done before you start this. Yeah, yeah. Also it is not uh, first class, uh, one year at the primary school, one year uh, rhythm, one year looseness, one year contact and acceptance of the bit. That's not the way. No, it is really, it, it is a little bit like a rainbow. But you have to have in mind, you never will get a good looseness when you don't have a good rhythm. And you never will get a good contact and acceptance of the bit when you don't have rhythm and looseness before. So both is, is important. But at the end of the day, the, I would say the better the contact and the acceptance of the bit is, the better at the end of the day. Therefore, now the, the, the picture of the rainbow uh, is then the better will be the looseness and looseness and the better the rhythm will be. Although, therefore, uh, the more you use the scale of training, the more positive it will be in all six uh, different steps. I hope this was key. Yes, I de definitely, yeah, definitely. Understandable yep. what I said? Yep, definitely. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I certainly understand it, and I think we leave your contact details, you know, so if people need to get that clarified yeah. or need to need to go back and, and just have a look at the principles yeah. of writing, you know, the book, The Principles yeah. of Writing. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but if you can explain maybe the contact and acceptance of the bit, what are we looking for there? Yeah, um, I think um, when I say rhythm is looseness. This is important for all horses. But uh, um, contact and acceptance of the bit, this is something um, which we need mainly when we write dressage. And when I say dressage, this is for me a big process of gymnastic. It's not dressage like uh, many people think, okay, dressage is a little bit like circus and you train a horse like a dog, and when you give a piece of sugar, then the horse, uh, then the dog is on two legs, on the two hind legs, uh, rearing. Um, and uh, this is not what, what I understand when I use the word dressage. But when you want to, to school a horse through uh, its body, so that the, the hind legs are active and using the horse is using the back in a nice way, uh, as a bridge between hind and front legs, then you need a good contact, a steady contact, and very important, the acceptance of the bit. This is for me very, very important. And um, so therefore, when you want to start a process of gymnastic, then you don't can um, uh, just write rhythm and looseness, then you need the contact and the acceptance of the bit. And um, when I look to a horse which is trained into the right direction, then you will see that this is a very nice process, that the horse at the end of the day is seeking the bit, is stretching the neck, is trying to, to get a steady contact uh, to the bit because that's much more convenient for the horse. So therefore, that's something... Um, which, um, yeah, uh, um, that's, that's, that's quite nature of the horse. Although the, 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 the seeking the bit is not 
uh, using the reins and using draw reins and other uh, uh, things of the stuff uh, to bring the horse into a, a contact. No, the contact is the result of riding in good rhythm, riding a horse in a nice and loose way. And when you have the horse, and this is very important in front of you at your driving aids, um, and then the horse, the normal horse is starting to stretch the neck, is um, is using more and more uh, um, uh, the back and more and more the activity of the hind legs. And then at, as a result, the horse is seeking the bit and comes a little bit forward down. And this is looking from the biomechanic or biodynamic point of view exactly the best and smoothest and most natural way um, our horse can use uh, his or her body under the saddle. All right. Now we've got those. So I'm presuming that we're not going to be able to get impulsion before we get those first three. And if we have trouble yeah. getting yeah. impulsion, we should go back and, and look at the first three first. Yeah. Can you explain impulsion a bit more? What are we looking for with impulsion? Well, first of all, we have to say impulsion is only possible in trot and canter. Why? Because in trot and canter, we have a moment of suspension. And uh, in walk, we have not, not a moment of suspension. Therefore, in, in walk, we only talk about um, uh, activity, but not about impulsion. Well, that's very important. And then we have to realize that we have impulsion in all uh, different paces, also in the working tempo, in the uh, collected tempo, very important, medium and extended uh, tempo. That's for me very important in trot and in canter. And um, it is, at the end of the day, the swinging, which we have, and we have the, the swinging in the moment of suspension in trot and canter. And um, uh, in the trot, we have uh, a two-beat rhythm with, we say, four faces, and it's always, always two legs at the ground, and then we have a moment of suspension, and then we have again two legs on the ground. And in the uh, canter, we have a, a three-beat rhythm on both hands, and therefore we have, as we say, six faces, and uh, one face is a moment of suspension. So, and the goal has to be to give the horses a good feeling uh, that they have quite a long moment of suspension because this is very good for the expression. And when we see a horse with a long moment of suspension, with a good, and I would want to add the word elasticity, that's very, very good for the horses. And because elasticity is important, um, if this works, then the horse will be healthy because the elasticity is very important. Uh, yeah, not to get orthopedic problems. Therefore, it is very important to give the horses a good feeling for a long moment of suspension and uh, a good coming back on the ground with um, yeah with elasticity and a good swinging over the back. And the more the horse is loose, supple, relaxed in the body, especially in the back, the better the horse has supposed to start to swing. 
that, uh, and to to build up uh, uh, the 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 back uh, as the bridge between the hind legs and the front legs. And this is for me very important. Um, yeah, that um, the rider has a thing, uh, the feeling of uh, swinging in the saddle, has a feeling to to get more deep into the saddle. And um, that is when when you have this feeling, then it's the right feeling. And um, yeah, and and the horse is willing to give him a good swinging so that he is able uh, to use his pelvis uh, in a nice way in the uh, canter, and especially which is sometimes more a challenge in the in the trot, not to using rising trot, but using sitting trot. Um, with a good, supple pelvis to swing into the horse's movement. And when you do this, then you produce, at the end of the day, um, a good impulsion. And the impulsion has to come from behind. The impulsion has to have activity in the hind legs. And the activity in the hind legs has to swing over the back into the neck through Paul into the horse's mouth. And when you have this picture in your head and um, understand this, this um, system, then you understand more and more the spirit of the scale of training. It's lovely the way that you use the words to explain this. You know, I know that English is a second language, but you just, you know, it's all, you can see it and feel it. You know, if someone's thinking about their own horse and are they actually getting this feeling? Are they, can they feel it? And if you can't, go back, you know, start at the beginning again yeah. and say, yeah. is the yeah. rhythm established? You know, do I have the, the looseness, suppleness, relaxation? Is yeah. my horse happily, yeah. yeah, accepting the bit? Yeah. Now, last time we talked about straightness, you know, we went into a lot more depth, a lot more detail but for people who haven't listened to that previous episode, which is episode 834, if you were explaining straightness, what are we looking for? What are the main points that we're looking for in straightness? Yeah, so straightness is, and I think I have to add one sentence before. Uh, we have to realise that all horses are crooked. And uh, that is a lifelong process for a rider, for a, a trainer, and for an instructor to have this in mind. And judges have to realize that all horses are crooked. And it's a little bit like uh, we, we, we are better with left hand or with right hand. And not many people are able to use both hands in a similar way or feet, as we see it in the European soccer um, championships, which we have now. Some are good with the left leg, others are good with the right leg. Not very many are good with both legs. So therefore, that's a little bit similar with us as well. And horses are crooked by nature. And one of the goals is to straighten the horse. And this is not just because the judges want to see a straight horse. And it's necessary for some exercises or for most of the, or for all exercises. And no, it is first of all something which you have to realize you needed a straight horse because it is something which is important um, to have a healthy horse. If the horse is crooked, then you get a problem 
um, because the the stat, static of the horse is not balanced. And a horse which is not balanced will use one leg more as the other and will bring more, put more weight on one leg. And when you bring more weight on one leg, it can be the problem that at the end of the day, this leg will be get an injury. So therefore, looking from the health health's point of view, um, uh, we need a straight horse. And this is the first thing which is important. The second thing is a crooked horse will not be an obedient horse. And when I did say in the beginning that um, when we work horses with a scale of training, that balance is the highest goal, then I would um, say uh, the second um, very important sentence uh, that um, um, very important is that we have an obedient horse. And the more the horse is trained with the scale of training or into the direction of the scale of training, the more obedient the horse will be. And a horse which is not straight, a horse which is crooked, will never be a true obedient horse. Also to, to get an obedient horse, uh, you, you have to, to have the horse straight. And, and this is, for me, very important. So therefore, um, we, we need to ride many exercises to straighten the horse. And we have always to have in mind, and this was I, what I did say in our last podcast uh, that I said, we have always to bring the forehand in front of the hind legs and not trying to bring the hind legs uh, behind the forehand. That's a very important sentence which we have to in mind um, when we talk about straightness. And this is something uh, the riders and the trainers and the coaches have to realize. Therefore, I repeat it again, to bring the forehand in front of the hind legs. And then maybe we can talk later on about some exercises, but this was something we did when we had our last um, our last um, uh, podcast. You know, at this point, if people are thinking, I, I really would like to know, because we went into a lot about the, um, you know, just the training of the rider and the training of the horse and, and a lot more about the straightness there. So, you know, if you're at that point where you think, I just, you know, well, the next thing's collection, which we'll talk about, but if you're looking for collection and you sort of think everything's going well but you haven't got the straightness, go back and listen to that chat. And I think, as I said, it was 8.34. So so the next thing, collection, you know, so people say, oh, can you make my horse dance? And you go, well, which, which sort of dancing do you want? Do you want the one-time changes? Oh, no, that's skipping. I want them to dance where they're, you yeah, know, trotting yeah. on the spot. Takes a bit yeah. of collection, you know. It takes a little bit of um, strength on the horse. But but if you can um, explain collection, and it takes the previous five steps as well to get them well established. But collection, can you talk a bit about more about yeah. collection? Yeah, I can. And um, I think um, uh, when when we talk about collection, we have to realize that nothing will work without clearism, with looseness with contact, contact and acceptance of the bit, impulsion, and without straightness. If one of these 
um, uh, points of the scale of training uh, or pyramid of uh, training is not working, please, please, please forget to start with collection. And therefore, if someone comes and said, oh, um, there's a good rider and maybe he can train my horse in flying changes at every stride, as an example, or as half steps or piaf on the spot. And the rider, and when he is an honest rider, and I'm sure riders who are on this high level, they are honest riders, they would say, okay, fine, I look to your horse. And when he sees, okay, the horse is not in rhythm, the horse is full of tension, there is not acceptance of the bit, horse has no impulsion, horse is totally crooked, he would say, oh, sorry, I have no chance to train your horse uh, in a short time to the level you want to see the horse. This rider will say, oh, sorry, um, I have to start with the basics again. We need the rhythm, we need the looseness, we need the contact and the acceptance of the bit, we need the impulsion, and we have to make the horse straight. And then we can, when we have this under control in a positive way, then we can start with the collection, with the collected word or the work or the training when we need collection. And um, this is very important uh, to, to realize it. And we are not people who train the horse some tricks. No, uh, um, I always say it, 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 we, have to we, we have to get an understanding that uh, the exercises like flying a single flying change or flying change at every second stride or at every stride is the result of perfection of basic training. Otherwise, when the basic training, especially to the first five steps of the training scale, are not well uh, established, developed, you have no chance uh, uh, to come uh, yeah, to the I would now say to, to the tricks, uh, as many people say, are the two special movements, two special exercises. That is something which we have to realize. And therefore, um, I think, uh, yeah, the collection is really the highest point of the pyramid of, uh, of the training scale. Uh, not all riders uh, come to this, um, to this level that they are able to collect their horses. And I would say uh, the, that the, the rider is able to collect the horse means that the rider has to train very much, very much, very much himself or herself. And many riders always think, oh, now I'm on the level and I want to collect my horse, but they have not the position, uh, not the supple and uh, position themselves a balanced position in the saddle to be able to, to, to start the collection. So therefore, the higher you are in the level of the training, the better you have to be as a rider. And the good riders are very, very critical with themselves. And they are, at the end of the day, the best trained riders and the best trained riders are able to start with collection. Yeah. Look, I think, Christoph, you've gone through this and the whole time you've sort of had an underlying message and that's the mental and physical balance, that horses want to do a good job. So if you keep looking after them and keep that mental and physical balance through those scales, then, you know, anything's possible. But um, I think that's 
you know, very clear message about this, you know, we call it basic training, foundational training, um, and just how important it is before the tricks, yeah, yeah, before we start yeah, the tricks. And, and tricks yeah. have to be part of it. It's a result of it. And years ago, I, I had a seminar or several seminars with Klaus Balken, who was a former German national coach, and he was an American national coach. He's now 80-plus. And he's still a great horseman. And uh, the title of our seminar, seminar was Grand Prix is basic work or the foundation work or the fu fundamental work, fundamental work, fundamental work. Although when you have the basics under control, then you come to the, to the um, highest level, to the Grand Prix. But when you don't have the basics under control, you never ever will come to a proper... Um, to a proper Grand Prix. Then you are only sitting on the horse and manage, trying to manage something. But um, when you train the horse, as we had discussed it now the last 40 minutes, uh, uh, then, um, uh, uh, then, yeah, it, it, when you do this properly and when you are really balanced and well, uh, uh, good, supple, and, and have a nice position in the saddle, an effective position in the saddle, the horse in front of you, then you are able to produce horses till Grand Prix level with a high level of collection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just a really good message. Yeah, Christoph, I, I can't thank you enough, you know, that your time, that the knowledge that you give, and I think um, the amount of people that, that really appreciate you coming on and getting on the chat just to sort of go through this and... And so much more fun too, rather than reading books. You know, you can do this as you're driving. You know, it's um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just a much yeah, yeah, easier right. medium to to get and to gain yeah. all that knowledge. Yeah. yeah, Christoph, thank you again. Now, people like to contact you. Best way? Yes, although um, you have my contact details. I do. Although um, um, yep. um, you can give my my phone number. I'm good to get uh, okay. when someone has a question uh, via WhatsApp. WhatsApp text message is good, um, and I got several text messages. Meanwhile, this is good, or you can give my my email address. Both is possible. Sometimes it's a little bit easier for me to use um, uh, the WhatsApp uh, chats, the the verbal or the, the, the spoken, um, the, the voice messages, or um, uh, a proper chat. Uh, written chat, both is possible. And if someone has a question or someone has uh, to criti criticize something or to add something, I'm open uh, in all directions. And I love uh, to start a discussion after this podcast. I'm open for this. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much, Christoph. And we will um, chat to you again very soon. Thank you very much indeed. And all the best for you and stay healthy. And yeah, I'm looking forward. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 